thank you for joining me on the Chillinois podcast. This is kind of cool. Um, happy Saturday. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Saturday. I'm actually a fan and I love this concept. Um, I've been following along, listening. Uh, I'll introduce myself. I'm turning on video. I'm trying to set a background because it's a little hectic in here. It's Saturday morning, <laughs> 10 o'clock. Um, All good. I have this event at 11 and I actually have been loving Instagram lives. So I turned on a couple notifications and I had yours on randomly. Nice. I saw it. Yeah. So, so uh, stars aligned. Uh, my name is Elizabeth Vargas. I am actually a veteran of the cannabis space. A little quick intro for you. Uh, in 2016, I was a marketing leader uh, who helped found Mindful, who is now a hatch, a dispensary out in Addison. Oh. Yeah, so I led the medical cannabis program. Uh, it was the wild, wild west. I remember one time I tried running a Facebook ad and it ran for 15 minutes and it was the thrill of my career and my life. And then they took it down. And I took yeah. that very personally. It was 2017, I'll never forget. I was like, what is wrong? Um, but ultimately I actually ended up leaving uh, to join tech. So I, the perks, awesome. Um, I always considered myself a non-technical person in tech because of marketing. And so I took the opportunity um, in 2018 to shift, but I stayed very much um, abreast in the industry, uh, specifically doing some you know, side hustle as a consultant with Canon Marketing U. And I just shifted to, to tech. Um, in 2019, with the opportunity arose with the new licenses, I saw it as a chance to come back. Um, during that time, I always advocated to folks that to jump in the industry should be on the ancillary side. There's a lot of money uh, that needs to be uh, held and, and the positions to be at play to open a dispensary. Also the conception that for you to be in the cannabis space, you had to have a dispensary. I, I really worked with people to try to break through that. So yeah. I got designers working, you know, I got marketing consultant, HR, HR was a big one that, you know, I, I helped so many people pivot into that, but 2019, um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go after a license. And um, funny enough, I am the child, um, first, you know, first generation Mexican-American. My parents um, uh, worked really hard. My dad's a truck driver for the last 20 years. And so he had all this logistic experience. So I pitched him. I'm like, hey, we should go after this transporter license. Um, I think it's at, you know, lowest barrier of entry. Right. And um, we should do this. And of course, you know, my dad was very hesitant. When I got the dispensary job, they were a little bit concerned. They're like, what's going to happen? You know, at that time... <laughs> Of course, I didn't um, relay that I was a recreational user, but uh, how I got that job was also funny, and I'll lay into that too as well, but uh, I ended up winning a transporter license. So we are, uh, myself and my partner, we're working through, you know, finalizing and going after and setting up our business. Um, I'll give you the information after, and depending on when this broadcast um, will be up. Sure. And but Well, congrats. Congrats. And yes. uh, for folks that are tuning in, um, we're beta testing an idea here. The idea is that um, the community is welcome to hop on the podcast. We've said since the beginning that this isn't that this is our podcast, the the community of Illinois. So uh, if you go to, we'll try to make this so that it's a little bit more planned out in the future. This is admittedly very impromptu. If you go to chillinoisnet slash live, there will be a Zoom link so that you can join future conversations. Like I say, though, um, it's going to be something that you'll need to look out for because like if you go there now when you're probably listening to this right now, if you're not listening live, that is because there are some folks that are listening live on Instagram. 
Um, if you go there afterwards, I mean, this link is going to be inactive. So we'll do our best to announce some things in the future. Another idea that I have is like, maybe we announce an approximate time slot at, as to which, you know, a Q&A might open. And the idea would be that the community could discuss, um, you know, have a discussion with uh, guests that we have on kind of an after, after the podcast discussion with the community. So um, Elizabeth, I uh, wanted to thank you so much for jumping on here um, and, uh, and telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the transportation life. Well, you said you wanted to maybe talk off air when things are a little bit more. Um, I'm happy to talk about it. I'll just share your name off air just while we're finalizing my partnership. Sure. And you can sure. edit some of this out, but uh, yeah, let's jump into it. I got a solid 15 minutes. I'm really excited. Cool. Yeah. Tell us, well, what is, what is the trans, you know, we've talked about it here and there, but you know, maybe for folks that haven't listened to those episodes, tell us what a transporter even does. What you know, what will you be doing? And I mean, it sounds self-explanatory, but I gotcha. Uh, at this point, it is B two B, so that is that means there is no consumer delivery. So I am transporting between a dispensary, a craft grow, an infuser, a test site, and so it is um, very meticulous as how the state wants it to be done. There is no stops in between, so it's A to B. So we pick up, we drop off. Uh, there's very specific uh, regulations when it comes to the security levels without going too much into it. Um, and so really the state, I believe, opened this up um, to eventually become a delivery license. I like to think so. Uh, when I applied for this, that's kind of, I was thinking big picture. I said, hey, we go after this transporter. There's potential for this to expand. It has to. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've traveled to states where it is legal. I've had the best delivery experience in Boston. Um, I went in for inbound, which is a marketing event, uh, pulled up as you do, like, hey, how, how are we going to do this? I'm by myself. You know, it's it's a, a work trip, cough, cough. And so um, <laughs> after hours and I pulled up a website, it just said, hey, text this number. I text the number. The website seemed legit. It did an age check. Um, uh, it also just said, hey, text us where you want us to drop off. Uh, mm -hmm. I ended up staying at the Omni Hotel and the delivery person was waiting in the lobby. It was very weird for me. Wow. Yeah, you know, as, as someone who doesn't have, uh, we're not in the West Coast where everything's much different. But it it, it was, and I, I asked him like, how is this possible? The funny thing was, is I walked down and and the um, lobby person's like, hey, are you looking for someone? And I was like, yes. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, this person. So very very streamlined. I just couldn't believe it. And uh, ultimately, that's what really opened my eyes to jump into this. Um, I also did it uh, with just my partner and my dad. So it was a three person team. Um, I was quoted very high numbers as far as legal fees and consultant fees. I did it for 5% of what I was told it was going to cost. And that was just very much reading the law. Um, funny thing too, I, was all, I almost went to law school. So I majored in literature. So I've always had just a really strong sense of um, an, an, analyzing. And ultimately too, I kind of saw it as a game. I saw the mm -hmm. application. There's like 13 parts, get the most points, you get a license. Yeah. Um, for people that may not know, uh, earlier when I said this was the lowest barrier to entry, the reason is because it's unlimited. So they didn't right. have the amount of licenses. And you just had to get a 75, y'all. I just had to get a C. 
<laughs> so I said, why not? You know, at this point, I'm I'm having a cushy tech job. I, you know, have rose up in, in the tech industry. I, I started a second startup. So for my, you know, hat trick of startups, it will be my own. So it's a very exciting time. Um, and I just felt really hopeful. Unfortunately, I was very jaded at the entire process when it comes to the social equity aspect. We are social equity applicants. And so um, it was just very jarring, the whole dispensary thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike Malcolm, who is an advocate in the space and, and constantly talks about it, he recently mentioned something in his stories where, you know, uh, he highlighted the fact that the medical, you know, lottery was a big show, you know, uh, you almost probably got broadcasted some aspects of it. But uh, when it came to the last round, it was a lot of um, hush, hush. We don't even know how it happened. Cresco, you know, opening up this consumption lounge. And so, um, thinking as as someone who's now going into the other side of the space and potentially working with these big players and all the different folks, you know, we are at a time disadvantage, right? As you know, or uh, you can correct me on the stats, but from our research, there's only 17 dispensaries in the city that are currently operating, and there's only three that are independent. So there's already a very congested market. And one of the things that I'm really curious about, we'll see is how we develop. Mm -hmm. um, I also wanted to get in on the ground floor. Like I came into the medical uh, pilot program, not knowing you know, what I was gonna do. I was in grad school. I was trying to figure out my life and I made it work. I built out this program for Hatch to be able to have you know, uh, uh, events, which is like something we can't even really work through now. But um, at that time, you know, the, the, the person who was getting the medical cannabis uh, card was a woman in her sixties. So you we were bridging that gap between right. someone who's not on Facebook, who has very limited experience to cannabis, but is now open to it. So it was a very fun puzzle for me. Um, ultimately, I left it for tech because I that shiny coin, you know, that shiny, mm -hmm. for me, it was always like, I want to be in tech. And so now I'm bridging that gap. I consider us to be, you know, a tech and logistic company as we move forward. And we'll be very, very, very vocal, very you know, active participants in the community. Um, we have a couple of memberships already of, of organizations that we support, events that we attend. Um, but I, I'm ready to step into the space. Um, I'm a firecracker and I'm going to say what I want to say. And I think it's a it's a perfect time in the industry now as, you know, ruffles are, uh, you know, feathers are being ruffled and there's, you know, the Cannabis Coalition working really hard to remind folks that, hey, we remember and we're keeping an eye on it. Um, I'm also really excited to be on the cannabis touching side and, and getting to learn, you know, what, what that's going to entail. So yeah. I'm very hopeful. There's moments when I'm like very jaded and there's, very, and there's moments where I'm very hopeful because um, the legacy market continues to thrive and the, the legacy industry here in Chicago is very awesome. As far as events, community advocates, um, people are coming over, you know, being more public. I myself, you know, as, as I went into the tech space was, you know, very hush hush about my cannabis consulting, about, you know, my recreational use. And so we're, I think there's a new wave of people coming out that, you know, are as far as, you know, gonna jump in. And, and I'm, I also stay up to what's happening on the different coasts and that motivates me because sometimes you get lost in the sauce here. Um, but I think there's, there's good things ahead. Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope so. Um, you know, I, uh, what do you what do you think about going forward with you know I mean there are still we just saw reports of uh, from grownin.com um, of you know allegations of uh, possible um, corruption with regard to dispensary licensing 
Um, and, and like you said, the transportation licenses have unlimited, there's an unlimited number that can be assigned. There was a lower barrier of entry. Um, you know, what is, what is your perspective on it? Do you think that we should have made the dispensary licensing and cultivation licensing a little bit easier, like the transportation licensing process was, or what's your whole take on, on how we approached it? I actually analyzed all applications because I before I knew I wanted to do transportation, honestly, as, as a legacy to my father, who's been in the industry for so long, it just made sense. Um, but I actually reviewed all of them and they were all besides transportation, very costly. The dispensaries had to have either people on payroll. So if, if you were going to qualify as a social equity based on people on payroll, which was kind of a loophole, but I mention it because it is notable. It means people who, uh, would consider, uh, you know, minorities in so in social in the space would be getting payroll. I'm not mad at that. You should get paid. But there was also um, uh, rent. People were, you know, leasing the space. The when it came to zoning for the transportation, it was the easiest. We just needed a warehouse and very specific building requirements that are easier to find because we weren't. Um, subjected to a zone. The growers need a specific zone. Dispensaries need a very specific zone. They can't be near schools. So there were so many buildings that we saw that were near schools that we were just like, wow, there's so many schools everywhere. And so it was very restrictive when it came to having a space. The, the state did loosen up the last, towards the end of the uh, round, you know, you didn't have to have a certified property, uh, but there were people who, you know, were having to put so much money on the line to be able to build their teams. I was able to, I, I hate this term bootstrap just because I think the connotation is, uh, doesn't take into account the realistics of, of the obstacles that many people face that so many privileged people don't. Um, but it was it very nimble. It was very nimble, a very nimble team. I don't think that it would have been possible to have a, this small of a team for a craft grow or a dispensary uh, or the infuser. I mean, you have to show expertise. Um, and I really do feel like we won this license because I did build this trio. Uh, I've launched a dispensary. I've had direct experience with, you know, launching uh, companies as far as marketing and, and sales and branding. My father has, you know, 20 years of, of logistics experience. So when we were building out the application, he pointed out to things that myself and my partner, Tequila Scott, um, wouldn't have thought of because it's not our expertise. She herself is uh, in the healthcare industry, launched, you know, physical therapist businesses. And so I, I felt like we built a strong team, but there was complexity in the other applications as far as, you know, you had to show you were an expert grower. You had to show you were an expert uh, infuser in the, the science. And there was just a lot of specifications that I feel like did not allow for a small nimble team to do that. Um, the, the state, as you know, has released the LLCs, or I'm sorry, the companies uh, who have won licenses. Those are the ones who have paid the state. So we yeah. don't appear on any of those lists because we, we haven't moved forward. We were getting all, um, getting all our perspectives aligned. I want to make a strong entrance. I want to uh, be able to make some change. I think when it comes to, as it was a dual-sided question, uh, the corruption when it came to the dispensary, we need to let things completely shake out. I know, that is, correct me, is there still a case um, for this last round? Absolutely, yeah, there's still a case, yep. Well, I am- A few cases, I think. There's the one with Jacobius, uh, Judge Jacobius, and then there's this new one that's alleging corruption. Yeah, so it's it's very clear. It's just the, the numbers don't add up. 
um, the Illinois cannabis attorney like posted and he had like done the math. Yeah. Just, Tom Howard yeah. from uh, cannabis legalization news. Shout out to him. I'm so bad with names, but the math is not mathing. And <laughs> it's very unfortunate because I was very excited about the social equity program. It makes sense. Um, yeah. Of course, the, the residing in the zone for five years is tricky. Um, yeah. As far as like who would qualify for that because there has been gentrification in those areas. Um, I'm very excited about the R3 program. So let's apply pressure there. What's the timeline on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the governor just released uh, that all those new changes that he, he's made. So I think there's progress, but we continue to be weighed down, which is the moneymaker. We know dispensaries are the moneymaker. They're also the money suck. They have the most overhead. You know, they have to deal with um, customer and retention and, and, um, but they're also not having much problems. And, and we've seen that in the uh, release of, of how much money that they're making. Um, the, I think on paper, the program had a lot of potential in the execution, as always, human error. Uh, there is a chance for, for greed and, and corruption. And I love our state. I've never left our state. I didn't, I didn't go away to school. So, you know, I ride for it. But at the same time, there's a lot of room for improvement. And if we want to be able to set the bar for what that would look like, uh, as far as social equity and, and fairness in the industry, um, I think is the time. It, it, yeah. it, I don't think it's going to happen in the next two, three years, unfortunately. I think it's going to take some time for these new rounds of you know, craft grow and dispensers to get opened up. Um, but the stats don't lie. The numbers are not going to lie. And when everything shakes out and we get to see who's independent and who's really just another MSO. Um, I think personally that the market is going to decide. A lot of the customers aren't happy. Um, I have in the years has been recreational shopped at a dispensary a handful of times. And that's just because out of a need. It wasn't because I wanted it. It wasn't because I was looking for it. And yeah. so I think that customers are, are starting to see that. Um, and the legacy numbers are, are there as well as far as um, demand. So I think it's going to take time. And I would hope that being an active participant in the industry, you know, we can speed that up and um, yeah. more people will, will start realizing that that's what we'll need. Just a, a, a another thought on that. Like you painted a really interesting picture when you talk about, you know, no bear, the little, you kind of did an analysis comparing the applications. And one of the things you were looking at was barriers to entry. And I think it was interesting that you highlighted that um, you noted uh, several barriers to entry for the cultivation and dispensary license uh, licenses, including some like questions about maybe what the qualifications are. But I guess my thing is with, with the transportation license, you painted a really interesting illustration when you point out that, that those barriers didn't exist because here's my thing. You, you said that dispensaries cost another enough overhead as it is. And, and that's true. But I think these craft cultivation licenses, the way they've been set up and frankly limited uh, will have a, uh, a lot of another significant overhead. I don't mean to like compare or anything. Um, I guess my thing that the point I've been trying to make on the show is that there are already enough barriers to entry, uh, especially to become a cultivator, like all of the capital you need, all of the construction, construction materials um, and equipment that frankly is in shortage. You know, there's, there's supply shortages right now. So higher prices, um, than ever with regard to construction materials and, and trying to build out a facility like that. I guess what I'm saying is like with so many barriers to entry existing already, why 
if we were building this program under the guise of social equity, did we add unneeded barriers to entry? Or do you think those are unneeded barriers to entry? I think there has to be a balance because I would want the best craft growers. I would want, you know, the best team to come forth with a dispensary. Um, I think there's two separate aspects when it comes to the different types of licenses. I'll treat the craft grow and the infuser separately. I think because they also were very much a separate process, you know, different deficiency notices came out. They were very specific. Like one of them, we, we didn't um, date the year correctly. Like we wrote 21, they wanted 2021. So um, I think when it came to the barriers that they place on the cracker and the infuser, I would want systems in place that would guarantee a solid you know, team going out and, and growing. Um, ultimately what determines that is when they start growing and we'll see the products they come out. I mean, all these recalls that are happening, a whole other topic, right? But um, I think that there had to be a, a good structure in place. The yeah. transporter not having that many barriers of entry, I think comes to uh, because of the expanded growth that we'll see. And the state did separate it into quarters as far as like uh, what they consider the different zones for delivery. Um, the fact that you can't do stops is going to be make, make it uh, more opportunistic for there to be a wide number of transporters. Again, the big guys also got some licenses, Cresco, GTI, if you see the list, um, just the top of my head that I can mention, they they got their own transport license. So that that's going to integrate into their business much quicker than right. this new set of, of transporters as we kind of also figure out what that's going to be. Um, is it going to be a price to the bottom? That's that's something that's, you know, within our, our purview as we're building out these models for our business um, because of the volume of, of and the demand. And so we have a, a strategy in place, but also it, I think it's realistic to not expect for smooth sailing in the next two, three years as, as everything. Yeah. Well, so like when you talk about letting the market decide, I just feel like what Illinois is doing is preventing that from happening. Because if you don't allow people it just to have an equal chance of getting a license, which frankly, I don't think our process did give everybody an equal chance. Like you had to have a, a big team of lawyers. You had to have a lot of capital, which frankly, again, without the barriers that we added, you'd need that anyway, right? You'd need a, a legal team and lawyers. And like you mentioned, a, a skilled team. But I feel like these these barriers that we've put up, like we're not even allowing the market to decide because the First of all, the market's so small. Like you said, 17 dispensaries in um, Chicago. I think 100, well, no, there, there's 110 licenses that have been issued. Well, I guess they're kind of in limbo, some of them. I guess maybe there's like 75 dispensaries in the entire state. Um, and I think we did the math on it. That's like, God, I can't remember what the math was on it, but per capita, it was just ridiculous. The rate, um, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, I like the idea of letting the market to, to decide, but I feel like without allowing people to participate in the market, we don't, we're not even like allotted our full range of choices. And so like really quick though, you know, to address your point about quality, um, I feel like our market has safety measures in place if there were to be a shady 
operator. You know what I mean? Because I, I get what you're saying. I think when you your hesitation with kind of opening up and, uh, you know, um, almost making the license super easy to get is that you don't want somebody low skilled to come in and just be producing horrible product. Well, my hope is, though, that our third party analysis testing keeps that in check as well. So like not only will the consumer be able to voice their opinion if the product sucks, but frankly, if the product doesn't pass testing, then it won't make it to the shelves, you know? No, that's actually very fair. Um, and I'm glad you, you put it that way. Um, Cause within having the right amount of, of safeguards to, to see for a strong team, there, there were different things that I think that could have made the application less costly. So, um, or your chances of win. This is my biggest thing. Your chances of winning, and I didn't mean to cut you off here, but one of part of Tom's math that you mentioned earlier, I believe part of the equation is, or at least part of the story. Maybe not part of the equation, but part of the story is that you could pay for multiple applications, thus increasing the likelihood of you winning, thus making it so that only the cat, like you know, if you if only the people that have the most capital have the highest likelihood of winning then is was it really a fair and equal process that was meant to dish these licenses out and um you know uh, correct the wrongs of the war on drugs i just with the result we're left with i i continue to question if if that really was the intent of the legislation you know you know, something I have been thinking about um, that I haven't really like workshop with folks was why didn't they just limit it to Illinois residents? Yeah. I mean, I, if you I looked when I was doing, you know, my recon research, some of these LLCs like are Florida, Ohio. Um, I, I think you make perfect sense. I think I was looking at it in the perspective of we need to wait and see. But you're absolutely sure. sure. Right. I, when it came to the I, th I think it comes to the scoring. I really do think it comes to the execution. I looked at the applications. They make sense to me. It wasn't like they weren't asking for anything exorbitant. When it came to having the property, which was a mandatory uh, inclusion, I think that could have been eliminated. Again, COVID, yeah. this last round, it was very hard. We scrambled to get an LOI. And so, and we had the easiest. There was still, you had to get people to sign a letter knowing and agreeing to you're going to run a cannabis business. That was not easy. Mm -hmm. There were some properties that were like, no. And that's, I mean, that's your building. When you own you, you get what you say, you get right. to say what, you know, what you want. And so I think that there could have been some trimming to the application again, to reduce the costs. Um, the other thing that comes to play is they, the state made a lot of money. They, the state made a lot of money, the application fee alone. So right. the in incentive of that is what I always thought was weird. I, I have no, here's the thing. I have no uh, problem with the money being used to have a fair, straight, honest, clear scoring. If, mm -hmm. if my money went to that, okay, but it not go to that. And I, and I know, like you said, I know people who didn't submit one or two applications. We're talking about 15 and right. some of these are, are 10 a pop or 5,000 if you're a social equity applicant, but it still adds up. And we, we know that they made this like exorbitant deal with that scoring company, but that, that ties into that pending lawsuit where, but it also the questionable winners. There's a lot of questionable winners, mm -hmm. uh, which is unfortunate that that's where the social equity vision ended up. Um, like I said, I, I jumped back into cannabis because I was hopeful. Um, yeah. 
2019 and I was rising in tech and I, I really wanted to come back. I missed it. I felt like there was great opportunity for us as, as to be better. Michigan is leading the Midwest. They have better product. They're figuring it out. Um, ultimately, they don't have anything as, as equitable as, as the what quote unquote was going to be our social equity program. Um, I don't know if I'm just naively hopeful with this last round of lawsuits. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm just like, maybe there'll be some wins and then we can figure out how long is it going to be till this next round? What is the demand going to be? Um, the craft growers that won now are on the clock. They need to plant, they need to, you know, get, get, get products going into shelves. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious. I think I see it as a multifaceted opportunity, um, but there's, a lot of raw edges. There's a lot of raw deals. And, and unfortunately there was really hardworking people who didn't win. Um, and that's what I think about. That's what motivates me. Cause I would hope that they would be like, well, if some of us won, let's keep pushing through. Um, yeah. but I, that doesn't mean that I'm going to sit here and not talk about the process being unfair, um, and towing those lines because I'm ultimately potentially could be working with folks who I don't agree with. Yeah. Well, qu- real quick plug for a former episode we did with Mike Fouché from grownin.com. Folks, if you're wondering, this is a tease, if you're wondering what's going on with those cra- those winners of the Craft Grow licenses, well, uh, we talked about what's going on, when we might see seeds in the soil, and uh, all that good stuff. So as I mentioned earlier, I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler, but there are construction shortages related to COVID that are obviously leading to some complications as well as the frigid weather that is, uh, uh, you know, shortly coming here in Illinois. Um, so, so yeah, I think an interesting, um, conversation to maybe close with is like what the future might look like, uh, because, you know, we're talking about these craft licenses and these dispensary licenses. Um, you know, one thing that, that, I mean, has kind of been left by the wayside is the Illinois medical cannabis program. Um, there are five dispensary licenses that will be medical uh, cannabis dispensaries that were um, involved in this latest uh, round of dispensary licenses. Um, so, you know, we will see five, potentially five more Illinois medical cannabis dispensaries open. Um, but from what I've heard, the, craft cannabis will be sold at the adult use tax rate only. Um, and of course there's no new plans for medical cannabis cultivators. And so it's going to be interesting because it, at, you know, the meta, the medical cannabis only dispensaries, uh, there will be the still, you know, you'd still be limited to the 17 or so cultivators that are operating in this state. Um, you know, do you see any future for any other types of cultivation licenses being awarded? Why only craft? Why are we, why aren't we allowing um, people that are able to to operate massive facilities like Cresco does in Lincoln? So I'll start with the future. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I throw multiple no, questions I love sometimes. It. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm multifaceted, Cole. That's why I like you. Separate thoughts all the time. We, I get you. Um, so I, I do want to create a future in where we are prioritizing the medical program. There are people who definitely benefit from RAM, from the discounts, from being able to have a, a very specific uh, process. Uh, the handful of times that I have gone to dispensaries, there's an entire different process for the medical patient. It looks much quicker. Um, so that I do appreciate. And I think it's important to continue to foster that. Um, I would be curious. And I just don't know from the top of 
who owns these? They're probably big guys who own them. So what is to them the importance of keeping up the medical once the recreational continues to, to kick in? And I think that's one of those things to where you apply pressure, uh, you empower customers to also apply pressure. Uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil. I've always said that. And when you're kind, sometimes it goes much farther. Uh, but I think a lot of medical patients here have also been gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to type of product quality, um, all these molding issues, recall issues, that's not cool. Um, and that's at the livelihood of some people, right? Who don't care. Um, but uh, I do hope that we continue to talk about it and the importance of it and advocate for people who may not be in these conversations because they feel like, well, my voice doesn't matter or uh, are in, in, in a class where they, they don't feel listened to. Um, yeah. And I hope this doesn't lead us astray, but just really quick, you know, I remember when adult use was originally legalized and there were some issues at dispensaries where like, medical patients were noticing like, Hey, why isn't this adult use product available for me on, you know, the medical cannabis tax rate. And there was a big discussion and it ended up, ended up happening that if you go to a medical cannabis, cannabis dispensary that also serves adult use cannabis, you can purchase any product on the shelf and get it at a medical cannabis tax rate. It just boggles my mind that that isn't going like they they actually have made the distinction and a few companies have they're like hey just so you know there's no difference between our medical cannabis and our adult use cannabis it's just taxed differently and it's like okay well then why can't i just use my medical card to buy this all you know uh, but again sorry i didn't mean to lead us astray it's just a thought that came up no that's a really good point again i think that goes down to processes and as customers what we allow to happen it's just very yeah. difficult when it comes to big corporations like that i have I have both perspectives. Let's dive into this very quickly. I yeah. have a corporate background and I also have a startup background. Uh, a lot of corporate uh, structures allow for ROI allow, without throwing all these marketing sales peach. You got to make the most with what you have. You have to be able to uh, yeah. increase you know, the demand. And I think when it comes to the current space, we've just kind of made do. Um, right. The numbers keep showing that we're, we're sucking it up. People are still buying. People are excited. There's going to be all these new locations popping up. We'll see the timeline for that. Um, but I think when it comes down to it is applying pressure as, as a consumer. I don't think we realize how, how much uh, voice we actually have. I mean, think about it. All these public uh, you know, advocates in our space start talking about like, let's not buy this one brand. I think there, there's some power into that. Um, the, the big thing too that I think is the next phase of it, we'll see with this uh, going into the next question with the craft grow, um, we'll get to see who gets to stand out. Um, if I think the, to me, from what I've read the application, the conversations that I've had, I thought the goal of the craft grow goal was to um, increase the availability of different products because mm -hmm. again, the big guys are only gonna, you know, do so much or, or have so many SK, you know, SKUs that they can carry. I thought that was a concept, right? That we expanded to different types of a variety of product. Um, I'm curious to see if it's just going to be a sort of like a middleman of, of craft growers who then are just supplying for, for different, uh, different bigger brands because of partnerships that they get yeah. stuck with. Or um, I, I see it that way. I see it going one of two ways. We get to see craft growers stand out because they figure out their branding. They figure out a product. They do something really well. Um, that's why I point to Michigan. I think a lot of the brands that I follow in Michigan have nailed that. I'm good at one thing. I'm going to keep doing that one thing very well. And I'm going to build loyalty around that. And then my branding, you know, is aligned. I think 
when it comes to the branding here and some of the products that we have in Illinois, that some of the stories are cheesy. There, there is like no real loyalty. It's not mm-hmm. like someone, unless, unless you are someone who has found a strain and, and you found it in dispensary and I'm happy for you. There's not a lot of brand loyalty when it comes to, uh, and this is just the top of my head. Like I only smoke dog, dog walkers. I'm going to go get dog walkers. And that's because mm-hmm. the only brand that stuck out of the years that I've been following along. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think it's like other markets where I, I only smoke cookies. I'm going to go, I'm only going to go to a cookies dispensary. I right. don't think we have that here yet. And there's potential for the craft growers to create that. I think it's going to be at that level. I don't think it's going to be at the dispensary level like cookies. Yeah. I like it. Here's another way I'll put it. I'm looking for my Coca-Cola of cannabis. I'm a big fan of Coca-Cola. And so like, if I could, if I could, you know, I can go into any store and grab a Coca-Cola and I know more or less what to expect. I won't lie. I have had a bad Coke a time or two, you know, but it's few and far between. And so, like you say, we're looking for the consistency that you can leave the brand with. Hey, one last question for you. Cause earlier you said 15 minutes and I feel like we've far exceeded that. Um, this is just an interesting question. I've, I I've predicted this for quite a while. Um, I want to see what you think about it. Do you think that the floor will drop when we finally, like as the pricing floor will drop, uh, when craft cannabis, craft cultivation cannabis actually gets on the shelves. And what I mean by that is like, do you think that all of a sudden these $60 eighths offered by Cresco, GTI, and all the rest will suddenly become $30 eighths to kind of make it hard for the new operators to compete? What I think will happen is, um, some may fold, but not all. I think that there is some, some of the big guys are like, we're not value cannabis. We charge this and this is what we are. Mm. And they may not succumb to that. I think I'm curious to see, maybe we should start, you know, a, a, a pool, like who will yeah. Uh, yeah, be- put a wager on it. Yeah. I'm going to re-listen to that episode so we can start a timeline, you know, when will we can start making those bets, but time heals all. I know that's so cheesy. I, I return to that all the time because we'll get to see what really plays out. Um, I'm really hopeful for the new players that are going to come, myself included. We're off the bench. Um, it's it's a new time. It's a new era. There are other states killing it around us. And I think that will also apply pressure. Uh, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on New York. Um, I'll be traveling to California and Washington state uh, to, to get a lowdown on how to run cannabis touching businesses. So I'm hopeful, you know, we'll, we'll chop it up again soon. I'd love, I would love to do a, a, a roasting of, of branding and marketing of, of our state. Of cannabis <laughs> that would brand. be fun. I've got plenty of thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you've got everything ready to talk about with regard to like what you actually plan to do and stuff like that, just let me know. I'd love to have you back on. Thank you for all the support. You mentioned that you were a fan of the show. I, I appreciate you joining um, this. And uh, do me a favor. When you go to Washington State, ask around. Maybe we can talk about this when you come back. Ask around the operators and just people that have been in the industry what they've thought about their industry approach because they took a, a wildly different approach than what Illinois did. They just open market, um, totally open market. You can check out a, a really good report that Vice did on their approach. And it, it's left me wondering if uh, if we maybe shouldn't have gone somewhere closer to that or maybe somewhere in the middle of what we did and what they did. Um, yeah, let me know what you hear about that if you talk to any people in the industry. And also talk to patients because it seems like industry people may have a negative connotation about it because it's harder to compete because there's more competition. But patients are happy as hell 
because product is affordable and, you know, easy to get. So um, I'm just, when you go there, I'm curious to hear what you hear on the streets. Yeah. If you have a minute offline, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We'll see you next time.